what have I learned mostly from COVID-19, I would have to say is you can be as well healthy as a horse, if you will, but one little virus can take you down. And it took me down. It took me almost to the brink of death. It's a new world. Um, this will pass, I'm sure, in a few years. Um, we'll go back to somewhat being normal, but I think it's a little different now for all of us in the entire world as to how we relate to each other, how we take care of each other, and how we love each other. That's Kevin Jones of Oakland. He survived 22 days on a ventilator with COVID-19. I'm Audrey Cooper, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and this is Fifth and Mission. Kevin Jones is happy to be back home with his husband, Martin, and their rescue poodle, Blanche Dubois. He's one of eight coronavirus survivors from the Bay Area who were interviewed by Chronicle reporters Annie Weinstein and Peter Hartlob for their story, Surviving the Virus, which you can read and listen to at sfchronicle.com. The survivors you'll hear from include a 27-year-old triathlete, a 73-year-old pastor, and a woman who's been battling coronavirus 11 years after she was in a coma for five weeks during the H1N1 pandemic. Peter and Annie asked the survivors how their fight with COVID-19 changed them, and they each recorded an audio clip with their answer. Annie Weinstein and Peter Hartlob have some insights from those recordings. Here's Peter and Annie. I remember when we were early in the project and decided to gather eight COVID-19 recovery stories. It was four each. I didn't know what to expect. Um, Now that I've read all the stories, my big takeaway is that I really, really, really don't want to get this disease. Yeah, I really, really don't want to get it either. I thought your stories had real range. Were you surprised at what you learned from them? Absolutely. I was very surprised by what I learned from them. Um, I spoke to four people. One was the 27-year-old triathlete. The other was the 72-year-old pastor. Um, And there were two women in their 50s. Um, The triathlete, though, she, you know, is a triathlete and worked out seven days a week, um, tried to be cautious, got sick in mid-February. And fared, you know, she she fared worse than many, um, many people in her age bracket. She wasn't hospitalized, but she has been sick and is kind of continuing to recover um, in sort of this process that is really, you know, not linear. And the same kind of, you know, something that I think is was the most was a through line of the project was that Uh, For all of these folks, you know, no matter when they got sick, a lot of them are still recovering um, weeks and months in. Um, I spoke to a a woman in San Francisco. She got sick and um, in the process of her getting sick and actually being hospitalized, her father um, tested positive for COVID and and died, though not um, not of the coronavirus, um, but under other unfortunate circumstances having to do with uh, nursing homes and the stress um, of the emergency room at that time. Um, But I think the most surprising uh, source I spoke to was a woman um, in her 50s. She lives in Pleasanton. She has been sick, uh, very sick in a pandemic before. And in 2009, she was a healthy 42-year-old. And then she was hit with the H1N1 swine flu and was in the hospital for four months, five weeks in a coma, spent nine weeks on a ventilator, 
woke up a quadriplegic and uh, and had you know a host of health problems after that. So um, you know to to kind of hear somebody go through this pandemic twice certainly seemed like you know quite surprising and and rare. I I, I would have to think that she's going through her life just dreading getting sick again and then this pandemic comes and she gets it i can't even imagine absolutely she said that you know she tried to be cautious her doctor had a plan set for her she kind of had prepared for it but you know uh inevitably she got sick and and sort of realized that she couldn't really prepare for it so both her, uh, both she and her mother actually um, very interestingly, they both got sick uh, basically three days apart or their symptoms cycled together on this kind of really disturbing carousel um, three days apart. They both, you know, she had 45 symptoms. Her mom had 40 of the same symptoms and pretty much were following in tandem just right behind each other. Um, so we're actually we have a little clip from her. Her name is Shelly Howell. Um, she's 53 years old. Um, and this is her talking about what it felt like uh, to battle COVID-19 in her body. I would equate this disease to reluctantly having a never-ending party at my house, wherein the house is my body and unwanted guests in the form of symptoms keep showing up out of the blue and simply refuse to leave. My symptoms and ongoing battle have been non-linear, with waves of ups and downs and cyclical phases. There are moments in which I have felt they may never end. At one point, just when I've thought my abdominal pain may have left the building, it returned after a five-day hiatus with a vengeance. On day 91, when I thought there could not possibly be any new symptoms coming my way, three new guests joined their fellow revelers. Most notably, a three-hour manic period took hold of my body, leaving me feeling like I'd taken a mass dose of steroids. As quickly as it arrived, the symptom was gone in a manner similar to other flare-ups over the course of the last three months. The virus presents continual psychological challenges. Sometimes in the span of one day, I have felt cautious optimism that my symptoms will sim simply abate and I will be able to move forward free of coronavirus. I have been gripped with fear that what is referred to as long-tail sequelae will exist within me for life that doctors and scientists may never have answers or a means to con control the constantly evolving symptoms. Reading the first-hand accounts of individuals overseas who began their symptoms in early December and are still having ongoing issues has presented extremely sobering moments. Having COVID-19 has challenged me to adapt um, every single day. On good days, I fight internal dialogue that has a desire to jump back into my baseline routines, knowing that if I do too much in one Given day, I may have a severe setback the next. While I wish more than anything that my mom did not have this disease, seeing her experience the same up and down cycles and phases has reduced fears that I no doubt would have had if I was on my own. I won't ever forget the fear of my mom's voice on three occasions when she told me that she felt like she might be dying. I won't ever forget the realization that this virus is attacking my entire body, thoughts of having permanent multi-organ damage. While I continue to question if I will ever have immunity from this virus or how long it will take before I can function even semi-normally again, I also continue to be cautiously optimistic that my mom and I, along with everyone else who has been invaded by this really, really terrible parasite, will be COVID-19 free in the very near future.
You're listening to Coronavirus Survivor Stories. Peter Hartlob and Annie Weinstein will be back with more after a short break. So, Peter, it's kind of interesting, you know, we each interviewed four people. Um, I would say that there were quite a few similarities in my bunch. And and, and most of that is that for, for, you know, for all of them, life really isn't the same. And um, there's a, a, you know, really a gloom and, um, and this in this fear surrounding life and rejoining life. Um, You know, it sounds like, in your bunch that there was a little bit of a different feeling. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of what you observed. Yeah, I mean, there was a feeling of gratitude. And I talked to four people who went through varying forms of hell. I mean, one uh, one individual never was hospitalized overnight, but he, you know, at one point thought he was going to die. And he wrote about writing his um uh, 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 goodbye note, uh, John Marble, he's a, a neurodiversity uh, advocate, and um, he's sitting there using his blue highlighter to write his goodbye note because he didn't want to go four feet away to grab a pen. He was too wow. exhausted. And texting his friends like, check on me in the morning to make sure I'm still here. That was of the four that I interviewed, the one who had the easiest time. Um, but one thing that I really noticed with all of them is, you know, even though um, a few of them are still struggling, I interviewed one man who we'll hear from in a little bit, and we heard from in the beginning who was on a ventilator for 22 days. Um, there's this element of I'm going to use the time that I have now and um, make sure that um, the people who I love know that that I love them and um maybe mend a few fences. Um, One individual I interviewed, he was a nursing manager uh, at a hospital in Fremont, and he went to the hospital where all of his coworkers are there, and they're, you know, doing some very intimate things as he's fighting for his life. And he's sitting there saying, I appreciate them now all the more, and I appreciate um, the people I work with, and I thank them. So even though some of the people were still struggling, even though there was this very strong message of um, this thing's a real thing, be real careful. Um, I thought these people were coming out and feeling like they were they were stronger individuals having gone through it. Absolutely. I mean, the, just that thought of being treated in the hospital where, you know, you're used to standing over people, it, it must have been such a disorienting experience for him on top of just the disorientation in in general. What is there, you know, is there a moment um, from, you know, those the stories that you heard? I know there must be so many, but a moment that kind of, you know, that you haven't al- already mentioned that sticks out that you kind of keep returning to as you sort of navigate each day in COVID world. Yeah, I mean, there were a few, um, you know, one man I interviewed, uh, Victor is, very spiritual individual, and I was very moved by him. Um, Kevin Jones, his love for his his husband and wanting to come back to his husband, gave me one of my all time great quotes, probably my best quote of the year. When he when he got off the ventilator, his first words were, uh, "What's up, bitches? I'm back. I came back the same day Jesus did. He came back on <laughs> Easter Day." 
But I think the 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 one I'm really going to remember is um, is from John Marble and talking about, and I heard this from a few people that once they got back into the real world, they're feeling good enough to go outside. John Marble went to that protest, that first big protest in the Mission District. And he said it was like a zombie movie for him, walking through the world, um, having been COVID-19 positive. He just acutely saw how close everybody was to each other. He told me, I didn't even know if he was joking, and it's not in the story, but he told me he made a six-foot pole with like a pink tennis ball at the end, just so like if anybody got too close to him, you know. And and at times, honestly, the first time he went out, he went back inside. He wasn't ready. Um, And that, again, to me, is just hammering home this message that the people who have been through this are telling you to be safe because they don't want you to go through it. And that that was a strong, strong reaction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm already um, feeling like I'm not ready to to really be in the world fully, but just talking to these people and and hearing the stories of how kind of you know, the sort of sinister and creeping way that the virus entered their lives. They thought they were being safe. They were sanitizing everything. They were distanced from people. And yet, you know, somehow it, 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 um, it got in there and it got into them. So definitely these words, I think, are important to, to heed as we, you know, decide, make decisions about how we're going to reenter yeah, and, and that's important. Um, what I liked about this project um, from the four people I interviewed is it, that it all ended with a message of love. And um, we're going to hear a little bit of that now. Um, the extended clip from Kevin Jones um, answering our, our, our question, how has COVID-19 um, changed you? I'm well on the road to recovery. Um, it's been seven weeks since I came out of the hospital. And I'm still, I still have some issues, but I'm working with my doctors and they're being very, very good to me. Every one of them, um, still, um, very kind and, and, um, and I'm almost, almost back to normal, but I know it's still going to be a few more months and I still find that frustrating. We're still, um, sheltering in place here, Martin and I. Um, so we're lucky that we have each other. We're lucky that Martin gets to work from home. Um, which has been very nice having him here. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't let me get away with doing anything more than, than, I, than I need to. He doesn't want me to overexert myself, which is fair, I suppose. Um, what have I learned mostly from COVID-19, I would have to say, is you can be as well healthy as a horse, if you will, but one little virus can take you down. And it took me down. It took me almost to the brink of death. And um, I am so thankful to all the prayers, the chants of all the people around the world who were, who were in my corner. Um, by the grace of God and by the grace of those nurses, that staff, those doctors at, at Kaiser Hospital in Oakland, I'm here. And um, I will be forever, ever thankful and ever grateful. I still wonder why I survived when when the, when the um, odds were one out of 10, and I was that one out of 10. So I, I'm very thankful. Take this thing, take this disease very seriously. I know right now we're in a period where people are getting a lot more lax about it. Uh, I'm not. 
I can see how easily you can lapse into that. But I'm not, and neither is Martin, and neither of any of our friends and family. Um, it's very serious. Very, very serious. Um, it's a new world. Um, this will pass, I'm sure, in a few years. Um, we'll go back to somewhat being normal, but I think it's a little different now for all of us in the entire world as to how we relate to each other, how we take care of each other, and how we love each other. So bottom line is, if you love someone, tell them every single day, because this virus, it doesn't, it, it, it chooses anyone it wants to. You're not spared by social class or, or, um, or, or anything. It can, it can get anyone. So take it seriously, people. Shelter in place, use your masks, wash your hands, and love each other. Okay. Kevin out. That's Kevin Jones at his home in Oakland now and recovering after spending 22 days on a ventilator. He's one of eight COVID-19 survivors that Annie and I talked to for our project, Surviving the Virus. Chronicle reporters Annie Weinstein and Peter Hartlob. You can read their story and hear more survivors at sfchronicle.com. We'll also have another story from a different survivor. His name is Rafael Arias. He's 42 years old, he lives in Oakland, and he started feeling sick in late March. With no health insurance, he wrote out the sickness alone at home, and he kept a journal. He filled 17 pages as he memorialized what he thought might be the last days of his life. He survived, and he shared that diary with Chronicle reporter Matthias Gaffney, along with letters he wrote to God and to his family. You can read and listen to that story on sfchronicle.com as well. There are beautiful illustrations by John Blanchard. Here's a portion of Rafael Arias reading from his diary. I continue with the symptoms all day, but something worse appeared. I am really confused. I cannot coordinate my movements. All the sense have been altered. I have lost the smell and taste. Yes, I haven't eaten anything since Sunday. I have not been able to sleep and hardly drink water. Friday, March 27th. I'm still not sleeping for a minute. I feel very weak. Everything is getting worse. The headache is terrible. It feels like some worms were walking through my brain. The temperature is very high. I have to put ice on my head and my abdominal part to reduce the level of temperature. Bones hurt horrible, like something hit me. Muscles start jumping. My hands, I'm totally confused. I can't even dial a phone to call somebody. I don't know what is wrong with my body. I'm totally uncontrolled. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I'm losing weight. I'm losing hope and my breathing is shorter and faster. I have to take hot baths over my head to reduce the pain. Saturday, March 28th. I am really bad. I have decided to call to the emergency service 911. I prepare myself mentally and I say goodbye in my mind to my family and friends. I apologize to God and I said, really, bye to everyone. 
Rafael Arias's diary was written in Spanish. He gave Matias Gaffney an abridged English version, and Chronicle reporter Tatiana Sanchez and digital producer Erica Carlos translated the original to English. Thanks to Peter Hartlob, Annie Weinstein, and Matias Gaffney for their work on these stories, and to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.